when, I, when my wife and I decided, you know, two years ago for me to step away from my secular job, God said, I don't want you to, I don't want you to do a, a monthly newsletter for subscribers, for, you know, people who give monthly. I don't, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to run a GoFundMe. I want you to just to trust, trust me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. We are hearing stories on how people came to know Jesus outside of religion and how that has changed their life. Today, once again, we rip right around the world into tomorrow to chat with the co-founder of New Nature Church in Bendigo, Australia, who has come up with awesome and amazing creative ways to share Jesus, such as Jesus Coffee and the mobile prayer unit, which we're going to hear all about. Please welcome my good friend, Jason Harrison. Hey, all. Hey, Todd. Hey, hey, brother. Such an honor to be here, bro. So good to see you, man. Yeah, you too. Would have liked to get you in here in the studio, but we just plum don't have the budget to fly in here from Australia. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to happen, man. Hey, I can always be transported by the spirit. You never know. Amen. Oh, man. Yeah, thanks for taking some time uh, to be on the show with us. A little bit of an endeavor, eh, to hook up with the time change and stuff, but we could make it happen. Yeah, we're in the future here. You are, and we're in the past. (laughs) (laughs) So, man, um, how are things going for you right now down there? What's it like? Warm? You guys are switching seasons now, hey? Yeah, bro, we just hit spring, which is awesome. So a few days ago, a week ago now, and uh, winter is not as obviously as cold as what you guys get in Canada. Um, We don't get snow where we are, but yeah three months of of survival uh we're we're grateful that spring has arrived and we're looking forward to summer yeah our summer's just just uh tailing off kids are back to school but it's still hot it usually stays pretty warm here uh until we get into the winter which as you know adam really loves the winters and stuff but (laughs) um so jason man uh tell us when you grew up uh was faith part of your childhood what was your family like and and where where were you born in Australia? Yeah, that's an awesome question, Todd. And uh, I'll give you the condensed version. And so essentially my journey to faith was um, after World War II, my, my grandparents migrated from Holland. Um, as, as you know, yeah, where they lived was, was devastated by, by the Germans. Um, and so there was at the, uh, the invitation for, for married couples to take a boat ride to Australia to immigrate here and start a fresh life. So my, my grandmother and my grandfather, new, newlyweds, uh, jumped on a boat. They were separated for four weeks in separate cabins, uh, men with on one side of the boat, women on the other. Four-week journey to Australia. They didn't speak an ounce of English. Um, and then they started dairy farming near Melbourne. So that's the bottom of, of, of Australia in Victoria, the, the state of Victoria. And they were dairy farmers. And long story short, my grandmother became deathly ill and she was only given uh, months to live. At the time, my mother was 13 years of age and she had two younger siblings. And my mother was in Melbourne and she saw a, a sign out the front of a church. And it's something to the, the lines of miracle healing, prayer for the sick, and uh, this is from a family that had no faith background before then. My mother walked into the church, met the pastor, introduced herself, 
said, my, my mother, which is my grandmother, is, is deathly ill. Uh, we need a miracle. The pastor said, what's your address? I'll come and pray for you. I think it was the next day the pastor came, prayed for my grandmother. And the Bible says, you know, pray for the sick and they shall recover. Uh, she recovered completely. And, 50, and then she lived for another 50 years. And so that was the introduction for our family going back two generations uh, from migration from Holland to Australia, the introduction to faith. So then I grew up in church, um, you know, w- learning about the, the kingdom, learning about the gospel, learning about the life of Jesus, the disciples, Noah's Ark, you know, the Jonah and the whale. And uh, then for 20 years, I was a part of a particular denomination. Um, met my wife there. Oh, so I met my wife after I, I transitioned from that denomination to a, a different church, met my wife. That was, I'm 42. So I was 20, so 22 years ago. And uh, long story short, we've the last six years, we planted new nature church, um, very, uh, intentional church plant in the sense of it just started with four of us, my wife and I, and another couple. And we, we love to honor the past, which we do. But when we planted New Nature Church, there were some traditions that we wanted to uh, to, to um, barbecue, some sacred cows. And so we, we've, we've done that. And it's been an amazing journey. And obviously in between me growing up to six years ago, there's been a phenomenal time of just encountering the Lord. I was baptized when I was 13, received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues at 13. Uh, been in ministry, traveled around Australia, around the world with my wife um, on holidays, but also ministering in, in, in Thailand, Europe, the US, the islands, New Zealand, India. And then, yeah, now Australia, we really feel it's harvest time here. So fast forward to six years ago, planted New Nature Church. The name derives from Ephesians 4.24, which says, put on your new nature, created to be like him, righteous and holy. And obviously, sometimes when people hear the word new nature, they go, oh, wow, so you guys are all about the environment. Well, no. I mean, we do love the environment. We look after the environment. We steward uh, the earth that God has has given us charge over. But new nature talks about our new nature um, that we've been given to look and live like Jesus. Yeah. Um, as sons and daughters of God right now here on the earth. So, yeah, the last six years we've pioneered this church and our mandate, people ask us, well, what's your mandate? What's your vision? And we would essentially say this, essentially say this new nature is to raise up sons and daughters who know who and whose they are and from that from that place, self-replicate. So it's a discipleship movement, disciples who make disciples, the gospel of the kingdom with signs, wonders, and miracles. Yeah. So the, the gospel essentially, eh? Exactly, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. It is the normal Christian life. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were talking just before we got on here. Um, can you just talk a little bit about leading up to it? Like the different jobs that you did or not so much up about the jobs, but the different jobs that you did, but the trust you had in the Lord and your calling into this. Absolutely. Yeah. So being married, it's coming up 19 years this October. And uh, when my wife and I got married, we started off as, as youth pastors. Uh, we probably should have taken some time off, but we, we jumped straight into ministry. And uh, that, is a, that can be a testing time as well. And I've done landscaping, landscape gardening. I worked in a bank. Um, and then from working in a bank, I then worked for a local government 
organization as a youth worker in a, a very low socio uh, economic and demographic place in Victoria. Um, so high, high drug content, sexual abuse, etc. Spent five years there. But essentially when my wife and I got married, we, we both went part time. Uh, we never wanted to work full time. We believe in, in, you know, work ethic and diligence, but we wanted to trust the Lord. We wanted to give our times, give ourselves and time to ministry in the sense of equipping the body primarily. And so essentially when it, the last 20 years of, of our marriage, we've all worked part time. And then my wife, we had kids. So I got a 14 year old son, 10 year old daughter, Judah and Abigail. And so my wife has been stay at home mom, but also obviously, you know, volunteering for the church the last six years. And then obviously the last 20 years. So working as a landscape gardener, working in the bank, then a youth worker, then I worked the, the last 10 years as a financial counselor. So essentially helping people in their finances. And again, that was part-time uh, two days a week for most of those 10 years. And it was trusting the Lord for the rest of the finance. And then two years ago, I took long service leave and it was in the middle of, of COVID. So it was 2020. What, what does that, what does that mean? What does that mean, long service leave? Oh, long service? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Long service leave? Yeah, what does that mean? Oh, okay, sorry, yeah. So long service leave in Australia is once you've worked in a place for 10 years, you then get like 10 weeks annual leave, 10 weeks holiday. So it's like a bonus, but you need to be in that job for 10 years to accrue long service. So it's extended paid holidays, essentially. Man, you got no snow, kangaroos, and extended leave. Yeah, that's fantastic. What a great what, a, what in the middle of COVID. What a great country. So well, I don't know if it was the best time to take long service leave. Usually, when people take it, they go away. Yeah, they go on holidays. I took it. COVID hits, and we can't go anywhere. So I'm like, okay, God, what what's what have you got up your sleeve? Like I've I've been waiting ten years to do this. I've never had long service leave in my life. I now get long service leave, and I can't go anywhere. And so. Ended up just yeah using that time to just see the church grow, um, and then my wife goes, Jason, when you after your long service leave, after your it was actually fifteen weeks holiday, after your fifteen weeks holiday from your job as a financial counselor, my wife goes, you're not going to go back to work, you're going to quit your job, and we're going to live, we're going to live by faith. Hmm. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. I have I've, I sort of take care of the finances more so than her, so I've like I'm like. Yeah, I know what I'm what I'm earning from my secular job, and I, I don't know if we're ready to to give that away and, and live by faith. But she's like, "No, you're going to do it." So then, the last five weeks of long service leave, I decide to take every Thursday off. I drop the kids off at school, and then my wife's parents have a a large property and in the bush, in the forest. And so I would drop the kids off at school, then I'd go there every Thursday. And I would just walk through the, the bush, through the forest, just praying, praying in the spirit and asking the Lord in five weeks time, when I go back to work, am I going to quit my job? So I did that for the first, first Thursday, second Thursday, third Thursday, fourth Thursday. Haven't heard anything. I'm still going there all day by faith, one day a week, drop the kids off at school, go to the bush, spend six hours praying, pick up the kids, come home. Then the last Thursday, the fifth Thursday, the Thursday before I go back to work on the Monday, I'm in the bush. And the Bible says we've each been given a portion of faith, right? Mm. doesn't say whether we've each been given the same portion, 
we may have, or it may be different, but we've each been given a portion of faith to steward. But then in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the gift of faith. And it's like that extra dollar, that grace of faith that comes over you when you need it for a particular situation or circumstance. And I remember I had faith, that portion of faith, and I'd been exercising that portion of faith the last five weeks by going one day a week, praying all day in the bush. And then the last Thursday, I'm in the bush and I literally feel this gift of faith come over me. Like I've tangibly felt the spirit of God come over me. The gift of faith land on me and every doubt regarding finance, all worry, all anxiety just left in a moment. And it was like, I'm going to quit my job and God's going to take care of us financially. And I'm not trying to make this happen. I'm not trying to manufacture faith. I had stepped into the gift of faith. Come on. So I get home, tell my wife. She's excited. She goes, told you so. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, if you have trouble hearing the Holy Spirit, go to your wife. Um, that's <laughs> yeah. the go-to. Anyway, so, <laughs> so <laughs> I go back to work on the Monday, and then it was either that day or the, the next day, the Tuesday, I put in my resignation. That was two years ago. I quit my job. We stepped into full-time ministry, and we have seen – the provision and the favor of God on our life, especially financially, like we've never seen ever before. And not only that, it's flowing into our church community, uh, into many others that call New Nature home and, uh, and over our church collectively. We have seen crazy financial miracles breakthrough, and it's not sporadic. It's literally consistent. And it feels like, by that act of faith, not just that one, but many others, we've tapped into something of the provision in the storehouse of heaven. So that's amazing, man. Had you, sorry, maybe you had said this, but had you guys started New Nature Church and were just sort of doing it part-time and and then this happened and you went into it full-time or? Yeah, we we were four years in to running New Nature at the time. And I was getting... I think one or two days a week income from New Nature and then two days a week from my other job, which was really a well high paying job in the finance sector. And so to to leave that, I knew what I was walking away with in terms of income coming in fortnightly. Yeah. And it was it was the biggest step of faith we've ever taken as a family. Um in our 19 years of marriage, that was 17 years at that time. It was our biggest step of faith. And so I think, I guess the scary thing or the exciting thing next is now it's like, you know, you you take that step of faith and that becomes the new normal. So two years ago, we stepped out in faith financially. That's now the normal. So what does it look like next? What's the next step of faith? Because it's going to be bigger again. And I really felt this wasn't me not wanting to work. This wasn't me wanting to step away and not work in a secular environment. It was actually an invitation from the Lord. He was inviting me into a place of faith and trusting him. And it took five weeks for me to say yes. Well, and, and to be, to have the message revealed to you, like at the 11th hour almost, right? Cause yeah, you said yeah. it was the it last was like four days before going back to work <laughs> after 15 weeks off. Yeah. And yeah. And honestly, what we've seen financially come in just the the surprises of god coming from left field blowing our minds so can you talk about can you talk about that too because you know perhaps there's some listeners that 
you know, don't understand how the finances work for these types of things or ministry, but you were talking about, you guys felt that the Lord told you not to ask for money. And a lot of people yeah. grow up attending places that, I mean, you know, they obviously need money to run, but uh, a lot of Absolutely. people attend places that ask for money or maybe ask for money a lot, or maybe people feel that. So, so can you tell us about that, what that was like for you? Absolutely. And I, I want people to hear first, don't hear what I'm not saying, because I think it's okay to, to run GoFundMes, ask for money. That's between you and God. When we started New Nature Church six years ago, we felt the Lord say, you're never to ask for money. And that was a huge shock because we grew up in church where every week there was like a 15-minute tithes and offering message. That's okay. But the Lord was saying, I want, you to, I want you to do it different. And yet the Bible says his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are greater. And often we think, well, his, his ways and his thoughts are so far above ours uh, that I'm going to operate at this level, far below his thoughts and his ways. But it says he made his ways known to Moses. And it says we have the mind of Christ. He's made his thoughts known to us. So he's actually inviting us up to live at a higher dimension, a higher level. Mm. Where in his ways and in his thoughts. And so we've experienced that in the finance realm. And so, yeah, six years ago when we started in nature, it was like, don't ever ask for money. But what you can do is you can sow vision. So release vision. You can set up ways for people to give, but you're never to ask. But I also, but we felt the Lord say it's okay to teach on kingdom generosity and godly stewardship. Okay, so we've, we've done that maybe twice a year. And then that started overflowing in our personal life where we started to trust God. So as a church, every year our finances have just been exploding. And I can talk a bit more about what happened with the mobile prayer in, it, in, in a moment. Yeah. So we've just seen that the hand of God consistently moving on our community as a church in finances by simply sowing vision, leading by example, so living with a kingdom generosity mindset and, and action. People see that. And when people see the fruit, they want to give. And when you create a culture of freedom, people want to sow. I don't think you need to berate people every week to give. When they see the fruit, they want to partner with it. They want to drop their seed into that because they want to be, be they want to, you know, um, partake of that, that, that blessing and that fruit. And so when we, when, I, when my wife and I decided, you know, two years ago for me to step away from my secular job, God said, I don't want you to, I don't want you to do a, a monthly newsletter for subscribers, for, you know, people who give monthly. I don't, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to run a GoFundMe. I want you to just to trust, trust me. And so, so we did and it's been wild and I, that's, yeah, I think how did I answer the question? Oh yeah, totally. Totally. And, and let's, so let's look at, uh, a couple of hard examples of that, just as you were telling me earlier. Um, but then in the intro, Jesus coffee, what, what is Jesus coffee and, and, and just share with what, what you had told me about that and then pour me a cup. Okay. (laughs) It'll be ready. It'll be ready soon. So Jesus coffee is, so we, we, we get these visions, these ideas, these dreams, and I feel like it's it's part of the mandate and call on my on my life and on on new nature to break ground, take ter- take territory, advance the kingdom. 
And what, you know, 2020, 2020, 2020, 2021, we needed creative solutions to mobilize the church because we had some of the hardest lockdowns in the world right here in Ben, in the state of Victoria where we live. And we weren't even allowed to have one person at our house. We had the police come to our house once. We were getting trolled. We were getting, you know, people messaging saying, if you dare gather, if you do this, if you do a live stream and you don't social distance, we're going to call the cops. We're going to do this. We had Department of Health coming down on us because we were we were leveraging to the nth degree what was possible, whether it was meeting in a park with one per other person, then five people, then 10, 20. But we leveraged to, to, to the nth degree what you could do. And then God started to give us creative solutions. And one of them was Jesus Coffee. So we simply just put the vision out there that we want to build a, a vintage brand new coffee van that becomes an evangelistic tool called Jesus Coffee. People love coffee. We want to give it away for free. We don't want to charge for it. And we want to see people come into the kingdom. So we just saw the vision out there on Facebook. That's all we did was just a picture. I did a little illustration on Canva little description, put it out there. Within a week, $10,000 from one person comes in. That's unbelievable. From another city. Well, and and then first of it all, just, that's a- just snowballs, and we just start sharing testimony. Then we needed $11,000. And I just I just said to my wife and our team, I said, we need $11,000. Let's pray for $11,000. Within three days, a lady comes to our worship night who I've never met before from another city. She drives all, like an hour to come. The end of the worship night on a Tuesday night, she walks up to me. And now I've never met her before. And she goes, I heard about Jesus Coffee. How much money do you need to complete the van? I said, Oh, we're believing for eleven thousand. She goes, Done. It was in our bank account that night. Oh wow. That's amazing. So we've built we've built this van. Um we've decked it all out, fridges, jug washer, jugs, a grinder. We're, and we're about to release it. So it's got the stamp now, the logo, all the socials set up. We've got our own bean. Uh, we had a Christian roaster in Melbourne contact us, and he's uh, designed our own bean for us, and the bean's called Philadelphia, so it means brother, brotherly love. Um, so you have a cup of brotherly love. That's our bean, Philadelphia. And right now we're just – waiting for the last few thousand dollars to come in to actually purchase the the coffee machine. So we've done nothing by halves. We've gone, we want the best because God, you can provide. And we're, never, we're not going to ask for a cent and we're not, we haven't done that. And so we're believing for $11,000, another $11,000 for the coffee machine. We've randomly had $6,000 come in in the last three weeks. Mm, wow. People just and again, so it's it's almost ready to roll. So it'll be on the streets as an evangelistic tool, where we literally have our own bean. It's an awesome grade quality bean. We're believing that we'll have the best coffee in our city, and we'll be giving it away for free as an evangelistic outreach to share the gospel. Yeah. So what are you hoping that that looks like? Like as far as you're, uh, are you going to you know like roll up to a, a parking lot, or what are you hoping that looks like in engaging people that come and get the coffee? Yeah, well, people love coffee here. It's it's a bit of a uh, our city's a bit of a coffee snob town. I can attest. It's known for it's it, known it for is. coffee. I can attest. And so to that. whatever we do, we, we we can't do poor <laughs> coffee because word will just spread. So we want to represent the kingdom with excellence. So essentially, what we would do is hook up the the van. It's a beautiful vintage caravan, decked out, brand new. We can go to a park, a neighborhood, 
a neighboring town, pull up. We've got someone just bought us a generator so we can run everything from the van without having to plug into mains power. We can set up. Now, if we do it for free, we don't need a permit. Oh, really? So as soon as we sell the coffee, we need a permit. So one way we can get around permits is just by giving it away for free anyway. So our heart is to set up, put signage out, people rock up. We go, hey, what's this? We go, this is Jesus coffee. We want to bless you. And we believe that that's going to be enough to start an invitation for a conversation. Yeah. And then this, we st- yeah. This will definitely uh, be for locals because <laughs> – you know, you said you guys love your coffee down there, which is true. And you got to have a good yeah. bean. When I was down there hanging out with you guys, I went to a gas station and got a flat white and it was one of the best <laughs> coffees I ever had in my life, dude. Best? Are you serious? It no was, one goes to coffee stations here to get Oh, coffee. I know. Everybody was, everybody <laughs> was thinking I was crazy and wouldn't let me do it again, but it was good. <laughs> That's hilarious, bro. So I'm sure this will be even better, obviously, clearly. Well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, and we want to use it to pray for the sick. We want to use it to, you know, um, sit down with people. It's, you know, they don't just come and get a coffee and, and run away. They come and get a coffee and then we can have a, have a conversation with them. And, hey, what do you need prayer for? What's going on in your life? Have you heard the gospel? Do you want to know why it's called Jesus coffee? And, you know, taste and see that he is good. Yeah. <laughs> we can sow scripture straight into it. That's awesome. That's really cool. That's really cool. So now we we also mentioned the mobile prayer unit. So what what is that? And oh, what, what is that gonna look like? Yeah, so this is or what this does what that I look f- like? Oh sorry, I missed that bit. Sorry, what does that look like? Because that's rolling now, right? It's rolling now, yeah, since February. Yeah. Officially since February this year. So this is one of our favorite projects to date, and we have seen the radical hand of God on this. And I'll read a scripture to you. It's from Acts chapter 20, verse 20. And I'll give you some background on how the mobile prayer, or what we like to call it, the MPU. And so you have the FBI, you have the CIA, you have the MPU. <laughs> so we are the spiritual response team. So if you have a house yes. that's full of ghosts, you call the MPU. And we will rock up to your house evicted demonic spirits and see God move. But in 2020, so two years ago, in the harshest lockdowns in the world, we couldn't do church. And then they started to lift. And one thing we were allowed to do was actually start to go in groups of five, no more than five to someone's house. So I jumped on Facebook on Marketplace and there were 67,000 people on the Bendigo Marketplace where I live. And I put this post up two years ago. We are the mobile prayer unit. If you need prayer for anything, if you need healing in your body, if you would like to hear the message of the gospel, the good news, if you'd like to be baptized in water, if you have demonic spirits that need to be cast out, call us and we will come to your house as the mobile church. Now, that went on a a public forum with 67,000 people. So within an 30 minutes, I start getting trolled crazily. People abusing me. We had a, a... end up being a witch's coven set up to start cursing us, wow. which we found out about. But in the midst of that, we had a whole bunch of invitations of people we'd never met before saying, hey, can you come to our house? And so what we did, we got a team of five one night together, and we had seven houses lined up. Now, in Acts 2020, it says this. Now, remember, this is in the year 2020. I don't think it's a coincidence. Paul writes this. 
I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear. I love that bit. Either publicly or in your homes, or one translation was say, says, or from house to house. And so Acts 2020 became our scripture for the year 2020, going house to house as a mobile prayer unit, MPU, Heal and Deliver, Spiritual Response Team. And so unofficially, we went to the, these houses. The third house we got to, we walked in the house, a lady starts manifesting a demon straight away. Wow. Her daughter gets baptized in water, comes out of the water speaking in tongues. The mother is pacing up and down the corridor, shaking, squealing, talking to herself. We end up praying for her. She lets out this huge screech and squeal gets delivered. We go into the lounge room. So there's three couples living in this house. Uh, the six-year-old daughter was had fevers in her, in her bedroom. We sent uh, two people to pray for her, instantly healed. The fevers left straight away. So we had deliverance, a baptism, a healing, and then there was a couple there that had never encountered the Holy Spirit before but were believers. We prayed for them. They got filled with the Holy Spirit, and they, they joined the church that, that night. Come on. So essentially what happened was the mobile print unofficially was launched and birthed in the middle of COVID, a creative solution to the lockdowns. Fast forward to the uh, middle of 2021, Someone hears about what we're doing, this creative solution. I get this phone call and they're like, tell us about the mobile prenup. So I'm like, okay, this is who we are. This is what we do. It's unofficial. Um, but, you know, by invitation, we go to people's homes. We're bringing the church, the kingdom to where they are. And you even think about when, when Peter went to the house of Cornelius, it was by invitation. Well, the spirit, God spoke to Peter, but also the spirit spoke to, to Cornelius. And this is the first time Peter's taking the, the message of the gospel outside the Jewish race to the Gentiles. And it says, as, as Peter goes to the house of Cornelius, and it says, as Peter's speaking, the Holy Spirit fell, they, and they begin to speak in tongues. That's Cornelius, his family, uh, his servants, you know, his, the compound that he's living in. Um, he's a Roman centurion. You can read it. I think it's Acts 10. And then it says that, and then, the, the, the disciples with Peter says, well, they've received the Holy Spirit. The gospel has been preached. What's stopping them now from being baptized? Okay. They now baptize them. And then it says, Peter then is invited to stay on. Why? To begin to disciple them, to disciple the house of Cornelius. So essentially it's a, it's a, it's a house of peace that Peter's come to. So that, that is also a core scripture for us, that when we preach the gospel in a house, the spirit's going to fall and the spirit and the word always work together. Yeah. The spirit backs up the word of God. And so we get this phone call a year later after we've unofficially started. We share the, the, um, the heart of that mobile pre it. I don't hear any more for about six weeks. Then I get this text message saying, please call me. I have some exciting news for you. I'm like, okay. So I ring back this person who I'd shared with the mobile pre in it six weeks before. And they're like, I'm, I'm part of a, a trust fund and, uh, part of what they do is they finance kingdom initiatives, especially around prayer and evangelism. Long story short, they gave $140,000 for us to officially launch and pioneer the mobile prayer unit. Wow. So we were able to put five people on staff this year, two days a week, five people who had lost their jobs due to mandates. So we have an office now right in the heart of our city, it's the mobile prayer office. We've got maps of Victoria, maps of Australia, scriptures everywhere. Um, it's our home base 
for invitations that now come in through our website, mobilepreneur.com or our Facebook page. And now multiple times every week since February, we're going to homes, baptizing people. We had a baptism in a neighboring town that's an hour away just two days ago, outdoors in a, in a trough. Um, we've, we were invited to Parliament House, so Capitol Hill, in Canberra two months ago. So we took a team of 14 from the mobile pre-net to Parliament House on a private tour and praying through the corridors and the behind the scenes of, of government right here in Australia. And so, yeah, the mobile pre-net is essentially a mobile service where people contact us through phone calls, through our website, through Facebook, and we go to them, believer or unbeliever, to release the kingdom, not just in word only, but in power and demonstration. And then when we don't have um, any invitations, we just jump in as a team. We also were able to buy an eight-seater Mercedes van. So we have five staff, an eight-seater Mercedes van, an office in the heart of the city, and we then just go out on the streets evangelizing. So we do live worship on the streets, preaching, car parks, shopping centers, neighborhoods, and it's absolute. The testimonies are unending. Of people getting healed, delivered, the snowball effect of when you someone encounters Jesus and they tell their friends, their family, their neighborhood, their church. We've now we're getting invites to churches to go and equip people in being a mobile prayer unit. So being activated as you know someone who evangelizes, takes the gospel, not just in word but in demonstration to their neighborhood, their school, their workplace. Um, it's been wild. And so long story short, again, I've said that many times, <laughs> is um, the, the trust fund who gave us this money, they said, if you can steward this well this year and you can outroll what you said you would do, we will look to fund you for the next 10 years. And so our, our vision is that the mobile prayer unit will actually go Australia-wide. In every major capital city, there will be a, a hub, a mobile pre-net base. It's a prayer tower. It's a place of worship encounter, healing rooms, but it's it's like an an ambulance depot where the call comes in, you 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 run to the van, you jump in the van, and then you go to where the need is. Well, so that's the vision, and yeah, that's that's a that's a fantastic story and a fantastic vision. Uh, have you found that since COVID's over is are you still are you still getting heaps of calls for yeah. it i know you they're, said they're that you go out and do evangelism if you don't but you're still getting heaps of calls we're still getting calls weekly coming in and yeah when, when there is no calls we just do straight evangelism on the streets um we've been able to we had the local radio station interview us a few times and we're actually We've a local TV station, Channel Ten, has given us slots to actually have our own TV commercial broadcast during prime time. So we're in the middle of creating our own fifteen-second TV commercial that will go into people's homes during prime time, saying, "We're the mobile preenet. If you need help, give us a call." That's amazing. Is this a is it a Christian TV station or no? Totally secular. Wow. I don't know if that mm. would fly here, but that's awesome. <laughs> wow. Like as far as them approaching and, you know, that's really, really cool. 
Yeah, we approached them through a mutual friend who had worked in that sector and they have slots for community organizations and they, they can't discriminate. And so just because we're Christian, they can't say no. So it's a beautiful thing. We're offering a service to the community. Yeah. So it's been a, it'd been a strategic way in. That's excellent. That's excellent. So now do you go out in the mobile prayer unit as well? Like if you're doing the church stuff or what, so what, what is your direct involvement in, in these, in that? Sure. I'm the direct overseer of the project and I spend one day a week with the team either going to homes or on the road. And I think it's it's valuable that I'm hands-on with the team going out. And we've also opened it up now to volunteers. So we have people from other churches coming to our office on a Monday morning, and that's the volunteer day. And so we're taking you know, and activating people in evangelism and praying for the sick from other churches as well, which is awesome. You know, I'd be right there, eh, bro? I'd be shocked. <laughs> you can start your own. We'll, we'll, we'll support it. Oh, it sounds you, like... We'll a, send you a hoodie. Yeah, it's a, it sounds like such a great <laughs> idea. That's so good. That's so fantastic. So uh, so how are things going with, with your church itself in your area? How big is uh, how big is Bendigo, for, for those that don't know much about the city? How big is it? Yeah, Bendigo would be... a. 120,000 and we're, we're right in the middle of our state. So we have North, South, East and West towns surrounding us between 25 minutes to an hour away. So I guess we're, we're a, a major um, player for our state where people come in to do their shopping and, and what have you as well. So 120 within Bendigo, but then you got tens of thousands more within half an hour to an hour's drive away. In the surrounding area. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's uh, what's going on in your church? What's a new thing within the church itself? What kind of stuff are you guys doing there outside of these two big initiatives? Yeah. Like that's, we, that's drawing people in from the outskirts. Yeah. Well, but we do things a little bit different. So we only meet fortnightly on a Sunday, and that's very strategic. One is we, we never want the Sunday service to be the pinnacle of people's Christian existence. We want lifestyle. And what it also allows us to do is every second weekend when we don't have a meeting, a corporate meeting on a Sunday, it allows us to take teams out and visit and minister at other churches. And so even right now we have invitations consistently coming in, or would you come and bring a team to minister at our church? And so the beautiful thing is just meeting fortnightly where we are in Bendigo at our church, New Nature. Um, Part of our mandate is we will create, an apostolic hub or a kingdom hub where people come and drink. They're trained, they're equipped, they encounter the Lord. Um, but then also we can take teams from Bendigo out to other regions, cities and states to impart and equip likewise. And so right now, any given gathering that we have on a Sunday fortnight, we have people coming from three hours drive away from all over Victoria. And um, our meetings don't necessarily have a time limit. So even the last two fortnights, we've been going three hours, four hours, four and a half hours with our meetings. Um, God's just rocking up. It's we, we, we got rid of the run sheet. We just, you know, I think one of the greatest gifts that God has given to, to humanity is the invitation for us to minister to him. Hmm. And so before we do anything as a, on a Sunday meeting, 
the first hour at least is ministry unto God collectively in unity. And I think that's that's a real key. And you know, in, in Acts two, when the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit fought, when the Spirit fell, it says they were in one place and they were in one accord. Right. So they were they were knitted hearts. They were unity of the spirit, unity of the body together. And that's one thing we massively believe in: is you're not coming to church to spectate. You're not coming to church to sit on the on the bleachers. The the kingdom is full contact sport. And so when you come on a Sunday, it's game on, it's worship, it's praise, it's encounter. And that's really been drawing people. So that's fortnightly. Then we have the preaching of the word and then whatever else God wants to do. And then we have what's called the burn. So once a fortnight on a Tuesday evening, we just meet together. And the whole point of that night is just to worship the Lord. So it's high, high praise. Um, so it's praise where we're, we're dismantling and displacing powers and principalities, territorial spirits. We're advancing the kingdom through praise. Praise is our weapon. The Bible says with the high praise of God in your mouth and a double-edged sword in your hand. I believe there's a place where praise becomes militant and it becomes to pull down strongholds, but also build up strongholds of the kingdom. So we have people, again, that was last night coming from all over the state for that. We have a school called Grace Garden, which runs fortnightly on a Friday, and it's really our training and equipping arm. It's intentionally teaching people the foundational truths of the of the gospel. So we look at the, the kingdom. We look at righteous identity, so sonship, inheritance, um, the fivefold ministry, discipleship. And so, again, we have people coming from different churches from all over Bendigo and, and the state. But one thing that God really said when we planted New Nature was you you will be pastorally pastorally responsible for those who call New Nature home, but for whatever you run publicly, it's always going to be open for, for anyone who wants to come. So any given meeting or gathering we have, we have people coming from everywhere to drink from this well that wow. we're stewarding here. Um, and then we have Jesus Hubs, which are essentially house churches. So people meeting in homes, and that's that's where it's a community within a community. Yeah. Um, and so the, the last thing with that is if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus always spoke truth. He always moved in power and he always demonstrated love or had compassion. And we've said, whenever we gather, whether it's in a home, in a cafe, in a park, in our building, those three things should always be evident. So truth should always be spoken. So testimonies, the revelatory word of God, scripture, there should always be an atmosphere of love. So a knitting of hearts, preferring one another. And there should always be a demonstration of power, healing the sick, the gifts of the spirit. And so those three things are essentially our our core pillars for new nature. And we believe those three things should always, we see those those, those three things always evident in the life of Jesus. Even when, you know, the lady at the well, um, he comes to her as, as a man, Jewish man speaking to a Samaritan woman. Shouldn't happen, but he comes with a heart of compassion. He speaks truth to her and he demonstrates power. He gives her a, a, a word of knowledge. And so you see truth, love, and power right there. And you see that all through Jesus's life. So that's now become our standard and expectation for when we gather. Yeah, that's great. Hmm. That's great. Um, 
You're talking about, just going back, you were talking about going out during COVID to the parks and just sort of whatever you were allowed to do, you did. And it it was actually very similar here with with the the rules during the lockdown. Um, Can you give a, tell a story about, because I watched some of your Facebook lives when you guys were out doing that, but can you just tell a story of when you were out in those small numbers as you were, and how you encountered someone and what that looked like with, you know, how the media was just making everybody so fearful. So yeah. can you just tell a story about how you broke through that with somebody that you would have encountered when you were probably also being potentially watched at the same time? Absolutely. I mean, it was such an interesting thing to navigate, you know, cause everyone had an opinion. I'll wear a mask. I won't wear a mask. All social distance, I won't social distance. And so you, you've, you're literally, I guess, managing or navigating this myriad of different opinions. But in the midst of that, you want to hear the Lord's voice. And, you know, do not fear. Do not fear. Continue to gather. And so, okay, we said, okay, how do we honor the government, but how do we do it without, you know, not gathering? And our community is pretty tight. And the last thing our community wanted to do, they did not want to do live stream meetings. Hmm. We tried and it just it just bombed. They wanted to meet. So we said, if you want to meet, you meet in secret and you do it under your own name, but not your nature, just so you can protect the church. So we had house churches meeting that would, um, they would pray for a cloak of invisibility to come over their house. And they're still meeting, worshiping, seeing people saved, baptized, demons cast out. Awesome. I'm not going to stop that. But when we gathered collectively, publicly on our Sundays, we had to be very careful. There was no buildings that we could use. They wouldn't allow us to hire a building. So we had to just, yeah, be very wise with that. And God's just started giving a strategy. And so there was, and it, it would change often. Like you'd start to prepare and plan for something. Then next minute you knew the, uh, the lockdown mandates shifted again. And it would, and we're so consistently on our toes. So what happened was, one time you could only meet with one other person outdoors. That's when it was like in its height. You couldn't meet at homes, but you could meet with one other person outdoors. So we said, all right, everyone in the church pairs up with one other person. And that's the person you're discipling until the restrictions change. So for a period, maybe four weeks, one-on-one at a park, walking around the lake, doing exercise. That was your discipleship. That was your church. Then it moved to groups of five. Okay. Still can't meet indoors, but we can meet outdoors in groups of five. So let's set, let's meet at the park. So we literally had 10 groups of five simultaneously meeting in the park. <laughs> five here, five. Then a few weeks later, it changed. You're now allowed to have groups of 10. Okay. We then had five groups of 10 simultaneously meeting in the park. So there'd be a acoustic guitar, someone who would bring the word. And there was like little, little hubs. Then it moved to groups of 20. So then we had three groups of 20. Then a few weeks later, it moved to groups of 50. So we had one big group of 50. And then from there, they just didn't care uh, outdoors. So we, we, uh, we started with a group of 50 after navigating the, the 5, the 10, the 20. So we'd meet in the heart of the city in a public park. We'd plug our power in to a, a secret PowerPoint that we found. Um, we didn't worry about applying for permits. Um, we've thought it's best to ask for forgiveness, not permission. Let's just send it. And so we had two big speakers, live worship, and that 50 grew to over 100 
in the park. And it was just full-blown worship, encounter, the preaching of the word. And you would hear it from one side of the park to the other, across the creek, over the bridge, into the, the main CBD area. You could hear the preaching of the gospel all the way up the hill, over the hill. And we would have, we would meet, my wife would go get a haircut and she goes, are you a part of that church that meets in the park on Sunday? I could hear what was happening, and it was beautiful. And these testimonies, people would walk into the park and they would feel the shift in the atmosphere from the praise and worship being released. And we would pray for a cloak of invisibility in the park, and we had police rock up three times, and they never came to us. They literally couldn't see us. They walk. It was like, like groups of police officers two or three or four police officers, three different occasions, walked right past us, didn't blink an eyelid. And we had people getting saved and joining the church for a meeting in the park. That's fantastic. It was wild. And so, and then people coming from all over, again, people would visit Bendigo, Christians would visit Bendigo on the weekend, and then they'd end up in the park just to enjoy the city. Oh, there's a church service. And they would come and join us and just get radically, having a radical encounter. Um, yeah. We like, honestly, our heart was, you know, and there, were, there was things happening in our city where people weren't allowed to go to church services because they didn't have the vaccine. And our heart was always, we don't care if you take it or you don't take it, whatever you do, do it in faith and not fear. But we will never exclude anyone from coming because of a medical procedure. And part of the beauty, beautiful thing about being outdoors is that if people wanted to social distance, they could. If people wanted to come in close, they could do that also. So it was, I felt it was, it was a new way of doing church. Yeah. Worked for everybody. Mm -hmm. That's really, that's, that's really good, man. It's really good about too, how you said about how can you, how can you still gather and honor the Lord? And at the same time, how can you honor the government? Right. And just make it more about yeah. Jesus and less about, you know, everything else. Uh, Jason, man, thanks a lot for sharing. That's really exciting. What's going on in your, in your area. Um, really excited for the Jesus coffee. Yeah, stay tuned, man. It'll be on. It'll. It'll. We'll be sharing testimonies on social, social media, um, very soon. Yeah, it'd be fantastic to see about that. Um, much, well, not not luck is not the word, but just uh, our prayers from our ministry to you, just uh, in supporting that mobile prayer unit. That is just a fantastic, a fantastic initiative. Uh, what a what a great idea. We we kind of have like made those type of jokes in the sense of, you know, yeah, you call and we'll come and, um, <laughs> you know, like an ambulance, like you had said, right. Just, uh, yeah. Uh, when people were in need and we had a couple similar things happen during COVID like that, where people were in need and we just, you know, felt the need to have to, that they had, there was a need and we had to fill it. Right. So come on. That's really great. Um, I always have, uh, I like to throw out a, a question for the guest at the very, very end. Um, it's, it's <clears throat> really admirable, man. you the depth of your faith and trust in the Lord and just what he will provide. Um, often we all know that the, we're supposed to trust in the Lord and he will provide. Right. But, but oftentimes it's hard for us to put that foot forward into it. Um, yeah. if you were, 
let's say you had to leave this area for whatever the Lord was taking you somewhere else and you were passing all these things off to somebody who, who you knew had, you know, a lot of faith was strong in their faith, but just the, the worry of provision and was, was strong with them. And what would you say to help just get them over that hump? Yeah, that's good, man. Well, for me, praying in tongues in the spirit has been a huge uh, key for breakthrough and building a faith that says your spirit man is edified when you pray in the spirit and you pray the perfect will of the father. So I would say one thing you need to do is carve out an intentional time of prayer. And uh, that's one thing the enemy will try and rob you of and distract you because the enemy knows how powerful prayer is. The other thing is don't try and conjure up your faith. Don't try and make it happen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Now that word, where it talks about comes by the word, it doesn't say whether it's the Logos or the Rhema. So so I believe it's both. It's the written word, the Bible, and it's the now speaking word of God. So position yourself daily to read the word and receive the word so that your faith may be built. And the last thing is, I believe in godly stewardship. You know, when he gave that parable and it says that the man gave talents to, to the servants, it says, and they were given talents according to their ability. Like one was given five and one was given one. And you go, well, that's unfair. Why did one get five and one get one? But when you read the next bit and it says according to their ability, if the one that was given one had been given five, it would have destroyed them. So I would say this, prayer, the word, and steward what he's put in your hand whether it's little or much. But if you're faithful with the little or if you've steward well what he gives you, he can then entrust you, entrust you with more. So they're the three things I would say. Amen. <laughs> well, thanks again, Jason, for chatting with us today and letting us know what's going on in your area. It's really, really exciting. And when I was down there hanging out with you and just saw and tangibly felt the Lord moving so powerfully... And so, man, we just pray Australia will be saved, bro. Amen, brother. We're seeing it. The water level is rising. So stay tuned. I have music coming through my headphones too. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. That's our outro music. Okay. (laughs) Behold the king, eh, brother? Amen. It's so good, man. Amen. Thank you so much, Todd. I love you, brother. Yeah, you too, buddy. What you guys are doing. Thanks, Jason. Take care, bro. All right, my man. God bless you all. Enjoy. Love ya. Bye. See you, man. <laughs>